you have your Bibles, if you'll please turn to them to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, there's some Bibles in the chairs uh, underneath you, and I encourage you to turn to the last book in the Bible in the New Testament, to the fourth chapter of this book of Revelation. This is an interesting Holy Week text to be studying, I confess. We have been in a short series here in the first three chapters of Revelation, and here in chapter 4, we take a little bit of a turn as we get into what's called the apocalyptic literature, where we begin to read things that are a little different for us, so it takes some careful interpretation. What's most important, I believe, about this passage is to give us a vision of who Jesus really is here on his throne. I'm going to read the whole chapter. We're going to study this chapter the next uh, couple of Sundays. Here's God's holy word to us this morning. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns around their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God before the throne there was a it were a sea of glass like crystal and around the throne on each side of the throne are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind and the first living creature was like a lion and the second living creature was like an ox and the third living creature with the face of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Amen. This is God's holy word to us this morning. Let's pray and ask him to add his blessings to us. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word that is true, that is living, that is active, and even now as we have read it, it has pierced our souls. Help us, O Lord, to see you for who you truly are and how you are revealing yourself to us here in your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. On this particular Sunday where we remember, we celebrate Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we recall Jesus triumphantly entering Jerusalem, the 
palm branches weighing and the hosannas being shouted as he came in on a donkey, no less, as the word prophesies. The excitement and the anticipation was heightened by the fact that word had spread quickly, that one who could work miracles, one who was powerful, one who would be a conquering Messiah was going to enter into Jerusalem and drive the Romans out of the Holy Land with a mighty hand and usher in a a messianic age that they were longing for. But how disappointed they must have felt that within days after Jesus' arrival, this king did not come to kill and to conquer, but to be killed. You see, they were looking for an an earthly, a a temporal reign, but Jesus came to reign on a, a heavenly throne, an eternal throne. And so what hope, what hope would there be for those who were longing for this reign of Jesus to come? What hope is there for us now today who cannot physically see Jesus right now? We believe and we confess that he rules and that he reigns and that he died and that he rose again. But where is he? Where is he now? To this, the Apostle John records for us these words of the Lord Jesus speaking. And he says, come up here. You see what he says there? in Verse 1, come up here. I want to show you something. I want to show you how things are now. Here in Revelation chapter 4, in a very dramatic and glorious moment, we see the the curtain of heaven pulled back a bit. We see a majestic and glorious picture of a throne in heaven that is shown to us to give us some answers, some answers to us who are longing for hope. To us who are longing for sin and death to be done with. To those of us who are longing for there to be no more pain, no more suffering, no more disappointment, no more wrong. We see a glimpse here in Revelation chapter 4 of the ultimate reality. The way things truly are. The way all things exist eternally outside of the space and time that we know about right now, where we find Jesus on his throne. And he is ruling and reigning over the heavens and over the earth. And his reign is eternal and complete and powerful. What great hope this is. What a beautiful picture we have here. If only the people of Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday had this vision had this hope that when they waved their palm branches, they would actually be participating in a heavenly reality. That when they would lay their cloaks on the ground as Jesus entered into Jerusalem, that one day they would exchange those cloaks for a crown that would be laid at Jesus' feet because he is the glorious one. He is the majestic one. He is the one whom they would shout with the choirs of heaven, Hosanna in the highest. You do know these palm branches being waved here this morning by these very cute and very beautiful children. I'll claim four of them. There's a great significance 
of an eternal reality, a, a greater significance that we read later about in Revelation chapter 7 when John has another vision. And in this vision, he says, there is a great multitude in heaven that no one could number. From every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, all lang- languages, they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Because you know you wanted to stand up here with these children with the palm branches this morning. And we will get to do that one day with all the saints of heaven. What is it that we come here each Sunday to do? Why are we gathered here this morning? Is it merely a social gathering? Is it just some ritual that we're participating in? Is going to church simply just checking a box because that's what Christians do? Or is coming here Sunday after Sunday actually what we might call in sports terms preseason? Is this kind of like training camp? Is, is being here on Sunday morning not exactly the real thing, but getting us ready for the real thing? Kind of like a pregame. It's getting us ready for the, for the big time, for the prime time action, because that's what Sunday morning worship really is. It's meant to prepare us and equip us for the real thing. And so what is the real thing? Look no further than Revelation chapter 4 here. This chapter is considered one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. I think we ought to put it alongside some of the favorite chapters in the Bible like Psalm 23 and John 3 and Romans 8 because it shows us the sovereignty and the majesty of God over all things and it shows us what our purpose on this earth is. It shows us what the chief purpose of all of life, all of reality is. It shows us what mankind is supposed to be doing, and that indeed is to join with all of creation in worshiping God. That's what Revelation is, worship of the triune God. It's the most important activity of heaven and earth. Think about that. It's the most important activity of heaven and earth. It's one of the things that we do now that we'll be doing For eternity. And so this vision here in Revelation chapter 4. It helps us. It helps us see this throne room of heaven. And what we will be doing for all eternity. And so in this vision in Revelation chapter 4. I think it helps us in three ways with our worship. First it gives us a vision of ultimate reality. The way things truly are. Secondly, it shows us an invisible throne. God's throne in heaven is made visible to us. And it shows us Jesus, who is not only Savior, but who is King. Let's look first here at this vision of the ultimate reality that Revelation 4 tells us about. Pastor and scholar Sinclair Ferguson said that ever since he was a young teenage boy and he first read Revelation chapter 4, 
that since that moment, he has made it his practice almost every Lord's Day, Sunday after Sunday, to read this chapter on Sunday morning. What a great practice that would be. The reason he said he does this is to prepare him, to help him for true worship, for this heavenly reality of true worship. Sounds like a good idea. Maybe we could all do that. Read this every Sunday to see this ultimate reality of worship in heaven. So Revelation 4, it's a, it's a picture of true, of pure, of genuine worship. And Jesus wants to show us the magnificent reality of true worship as it is now in eternity. And that's why he says to John, and says to us, come up here. I want to show you something. I want to show you a reality that you need to see. And what is shown to us here is that Jesus is on his throne. And he is holy, holy, holy. He's the Lord of all. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. Crown him with many crowns. This chapter, Revelation 4, depicts for us an eternal reality. That there is a throne in heaven. And Jesus is on it. And all things, everything, in heaven and on earth is governed, is in the sovereign control of the one who sits on that throne. Don't you see it? Don't you want to believe it? Don't you want to know that God is in control? That he has a plan? That he's sovereign? Maybe this morning you can't see it. Maybe it's just too hard for you to believe. It's too hard for you to imagine. This is why Revelation chapter 4 and studying it and reading it is so important. Because what we lack today is, is awe and wonder of, of who God really is and what he is like. And, and we fail to believe that there is a reality beyond this world. We fail to believe that there is an eternal heavenly realm that is in control of all things where Jesus is on his throne right now. And this is made even harder to believe because we are told over and over every day by the messages of this world by the, the messages from our sinful heart, by the lies of the devil, that the thing that's most important is the here and now. Only what you can see, only what you could touch, only what you could hear, only what you could smell and taste, that's what's most important. And so that's why we get so worked out, worked up about things like our appearance. I was listening to sports radio the other day, and there were four commercials in a row about some pill, pill that was going to make my life better. Can you believe it? Four in a row. Because it's all about how we look and feel, right? That's what's most important. Or the economy. If the economy's not doing well, guys, let's get on our knees and pray, because that's what's most important. Or what are the Democrats and Republicans up to? How are they going to make my life better this week? We're told that all these things are what is most important. But all of these things we know are not ultimate reality. We know that none of these things, nothing that this world can offer, can make us happy, can give us joy, 
can help us make sense of this world. All of these things are important. I'm not saying all these things are not important, but they're not ultimate. None of, the, none of us can fully see how God is going to use all these things as he rules and reigns over this world, and he's going to use them for his glory and his good. We cannot put our hope, though, in them. We must put our hope in God. And that is why to see the one sitting on the throne Ruling and reigning over all is the vision that we need so that we can see the reality of all realities. Jesus is in control. He's on his throne. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Or do you believe that this world, that this is all there is? This is all there is to it. Do you believe that there's only one reality? And then that's it. There's nothing. Or do you believe that there's a heavenly realm? A realm that we are given a peek into here in Revelation chapter 4. That there's a, a world that is beyond this world. A greater reality that is over and in control of this life. I think that's what we're meant to see here this morning from this chapter. Because what you believe about this reality matters greatly for how you will live your life. If you don't believe that Jesus is in control of all things, then how you live, how will you, how will you deal with sin? How will you deal with pain and disappointment and sorrow and death and trials and tribulations? How will you handle these things? This is why this message in Revelation is so important to us. This is why it was so important to the early Christians in the ancient church who were faced with trials and tribulations and death. They needed to know this important truth. Jesus is risen, that he reigns, that he is in control, that all of reality is under his sovereign care. So that brings us back to what all of life and to what Revelation chapter 4 is about, and that is worship. God is on his throne. He is in control, and he is to be worshipped. And so next we see that what this passage does, it makes an invisible throne now visible to us. This is one of the purposes of the book of Revelation. Around 37 times, in the book of Revelation, the throne of God is mentioned. Seventeen of those times that the throne of God is mentioned is in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Why do I say that to you? The point is this. This is what we need to get about the book of Revelation. That the throne of God is the center of all reality. The throne of God is the center of all reality. The light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, is that God is on his throne, that he is ruling, that he is reigning. But even this reality that we're reading about here, that we're trying to envision, it's, it's, it's cloaked a bit. Even the picture there on the front of your bulletin, it's a little mysterious, isn't it? Thinking about this throne. 
they, there's very careful attention in this passage that the, that the apostle goes to to describe what this throne of heaven looked like. It, it doesn't go into so much detail that we would be tempted to go and to make a, a graven image or some type of idol and, and worship it. And so here we enter the throne room of heaven and Jesus is on that throne and what John is describing here is awesome. It's, it's majestic. It's almost too wonderful to describe. And so the terms that the Apostle John uses here, these are simply the best he can come up with. He's trying to describe something that is pure, something that is holy, something that is beautiful beyond comparison. He uses these very vivid similes to describe this throne. The one who sat on the throne had the appearance of Jasper, Carnelian. Now, Jasper is a precious stone in the ancient world. It was actually a name used for a variety of precious stones. And here it's probably describing something that was almost like crystal, translucent, that when light shone through it, it would have this brilliant color. And Carnelian would have been this reddish stone. And we read later in Revelation appears and the foundation of the new Jerusalem that symbolizes strength and beauty. John also describes that around this throne was a rainbow, and this rainbow that was, that was beautiful beyond comparison. It was like a precious emerald stone. We know that rainbows are important, right, in the Bible. We remember after God flooded the earth, his great covenant promise that he would never destroy again this world until he makes it new. Ezekiel also prophesies about this vision of the throne room of heaven in Ezekiel chapter 1 and describes this beautiful rainbow, again, describing the beauty of God. But this throne was also very powerful, very majestic. Look there in Revelation 4 here. We see that there was lightning and thunder and rumblings. It was not only a very beautiful throne room, but it was powerful beyond comparison. Liking it back to God's Shekinah glory that appeared on Mount Sinai with the thunder and the lightning and the power of God on full display. The throne is powerful. And then there was a sea before the throne, John describes. And this sea is going to show up several times in Revelation, symbolizing God's peace and purity and tranquility that is before him in his sovereign throne. But also it can be contrasted with the, the raging sea of this world that is unpredictable and even dangerous. Later in Revelation, we'll see this sea being the foundation for which all the saints of God stand before him rejoicing and celebrating. And then there are these 24 thrones with 24 elders seated on these thrones in white robes and crowns. And they symbolize the Old and the New Testament coming together here. The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 rulers of the 12 tribes of Israel, and the 12 apostles, the Old and the New Testament coming together in perfect harmony under God's sovereign rule. He is in control 
of it all. He's been working out his covenant plan from the very beginning. And this beautiful picture is on full display for John to see. Throne room here is filled with radiance and bright light and color and beauty beyond definition. I mean, what's the latest definition? 4K? I don't even know what that means, but it's beyond 4K. It's eternal HD. How about that? Eternal HD. There is a throne, and God is on it. William Hendrickson says, the purpose of this vision is to show us in beautiful symbolism that all things are governed by the Lord who is on his throne. The throne is over all. That's the key point that we must get. We won't be able to even, if you start reading the book of Revelation, you won't be able to get through this kind of crazy-sounding apocalyptic literature if you don't see that key point that Jesus is on his throne and he is powerful. This is good news for us. This is good news for us that the one who is on the throne is the one that is in control of all things. All things are under his feet. He is the head over all things, even our trials, even our tribulations, even our sufferings in this world. Jesus is over all. He's the king on his throne. We've said before that that John borrows a lot of language from the Old Testament here to describe this beautiful picture of the throne room of heaven. We see that certainly here in John chapter 4 because the one seated on the throne harkens back to Daniel's vision in chapter 7. Listen to this. Daniel records, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. And the hair of his head was pure like wool. His throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. Again, a picture of Jesus glorious on his throne. Great news for us that our Savior, who died on the cross for our sins, who went into Jerusalem triumphantly to die, is the one who reigns over all of history, all of our trials, all of our tribulations, all of our sufferings, all things are controlled by a faithful Savior who is our King. Again, William Hendrickson says, in the midst of trial and tribulation, may our gaze be towards the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My prayer for you and for me this morning is that we would see Jesus for who he truly is. He is the king. He reigns forever and ever. Perhaps many of you have seen that classic movie, Wizard of Oz, and those pilgrims, Dorothy, the lion, Scarecrow, and the Tin Man. They're on their way to see the Wizard of Oz to fix all their problems. They're off to see the wizard. Don't start singing it. It's stuck in our head all day. But when they finally arrive to meet this great and powerful and majestic wizard, and they come into his presence, into this room, and there's this ominous glow and, and big curtain and, and, and all these 
tricks and smoke and lights, only to discover that behind the curtain, the so-called all-powerful wizard was just a simple old man pulling levers and working magic tricks in the background. It gave this appearance of someone who could fix all their problems, and it was in sovereign control over that place. But they were sorely disappointed to learn, right, that he couldn't. My friends, behind this curtain that is drawn back for us, this curtain of heaven, there's not some wizard performing circus tricks who will leave us disappointed. Because in this vision of Revelation 4, we see a Jesus who has all authority. He is the majestic and powerful and sovereign one. And as we work our way through, as you perhaps read the book of Revelation on your own, you will see that this reality becomes more and more vivid. Even in Revelation chapter 22, we read that no longer will there be anything accursed. But the throne room of God and the Lamb will be on it. And his servants will, be, will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Perhaps this morning you've been thinking of Jesus kind of being more like the Wizard of Oz. The man who's kind of behind the curtain. Not really involved. We don't really know what he's up to. We're not even sure he could fix our problems. Or maybe you've thought of him being simply a man with no power at all. Or maybe you've been hoping that he will perform some magic trick for you. But when he fails to deliver, you're disappointed and conclude that he must not be real. Or, or maybe you just don't care. Maybe you're here and Jesus is just not that important to you. If you find yourself in any of these situations, let me challenge you to read again. Revelation chapter 4. And hear the words of the one who says, come up here. Come up here. I want to show you something. I want to show you a reality beyond all realities. I want to show you a throne that is more powerful and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And Jesus wants you to see him on that throne. And learn that the position that he is in did not come cheap. It came at great cost. He had to suffer and die before he ascended to that throne. In a sense, he actually vacated that throne for a bit. In Philippians 2, we read, And being found in human form, he humbled himself. By coming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
He left his throne for you and for me. He humbled himself, yet God highly exalted him. And this morning, if you've never done so, if you've never bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've, if you've never, never humbled yourself and said, Lord, God, Jesus, you are both Lord and God. Let me invite you to do that. Do that. And you will never be disappointed. You will never be let down by the one who rules and who reigns forever and ever and ever. And so may God help us to praise our matchless King through all eternity. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, please forgive us where we have thought of Jesus sometimes being like that Wizard of Oz, uh, disappointing and unable to deliver. Father, help us to, to see our, our Lord, our God, our King, Jesus, here on his throne, ruling and reigning forever and ever. Thank you that he is a powerful king who has conquered sin and death, who has been so good in his victory that he sat down at your right hand and who cares for us, who has atoned for our sin and who gives us promises here unimaginable that one day we will rule and reign with him. So, Father, help us. Help us to have eyes to see the eternal. Give us hearts to believe this reality that Jesus is on his throne, that he rules and he reigns for us today. What good news this is. Help us to sing and to praise him in response. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.